This morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about Him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was His custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, it is my desire to work out six days every week. Often, I do that with my oldest daughter. We'll get up about six and work out before we prepare to go to work. She found a new 28-day challenge for us to try. She shared this with me right after Christmas and said, how about we do this for the new year? I wasn't sure what it was, but I said, sure, I am game. So we decided on Monday... January 4, we would start the 28-day challenge. Guess how many days we did before we missed one? One! (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? It was terrible. On that Monday night, I began to look at my work for the week and thought, oh my goodness, too many things have piled up. Well, I've been getting ready for Christmas and Christmas Eve and then took a few days off. I've got to go in early to get on top of this. So I sent her a text saying, cannot work out tomorrow morning. Came straight to work. Then looking at my calendar, realizing I have a meeting with pastors in Texas Wednesday and Thursday. So I fly out early Wednesday morning, miss the workout again. Still there on Thursday, miss the workout again. It's the end of the week before we even look at day two. But unfortunately for you all, my experience is not uncharacteristic of what many people have experienced. Whether they're trying to start a new diet, or some other new behavior, or they made a resolution to develop a new habit, it's so very common for us as humans to have a high desire and then not do very well following through and actually getting it done. Old habits die hard, they say. Whether it's a desire to do something new in our career, our professional life, it might be an educational goal, it might be some kind of service goal or a relationship goal, it might even be a spiritual goal that you have out there that you want to fulfill or want to experience, most of us find it very difficult to implement the new behavior, to incorporate into 
our already day-to-day living experience, anything new and fresh that takes any kind of discipline or focus or priority setting. We struggle with that. But I think our text from Luke can help us. Let's look at what it has to say for us today. We begin in verse 14 where Luke writes, Then Jesus filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. Now, where had he been? If you read the story right before where we started today, it tells you he's been in the wilderness. It says he was there for 40 days. Luke shares an interchange between Jesus and the tempter, saying there were at least three specific temptations or offers that Jesus could receive. We're not going to go into all of those today, but suffice it to say, on every occasion, Jesus says, no, thank you. He responds with a quote from Scripture and says, basically, in every one of them, I am going to continue to trust in God. I'm going to worship God. The Lord my God and serve only Him, he says at one point. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to continue to pay attention to God because all of these things you are offering me, these temptations that are called in Scripture, are distractions that draw me away from my primary purpose and the priorities I have in my life. If you've read through Luke, you'll remember how this story unfolds when Jesus gets ready to go public, if you will, in his ministry, he goes down to the River Jordan where John the Baptist is preaching. And John is calling people to repentance and water baptism. And Luke tells us that Jesus climbs in the river with the rest of them and receives the waters of baptism. But he experiences a voice after that saying, You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. And it's a recognition of his identity. As a child of God. And then he leaves that place. And in the first verse of chapter 4. Luke records Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan. Where he had just been baptized. And was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And then where we began to read today. Verse 14 Luke writes, then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. And then when Jesus stands up to read, he unrolls the Isaiah scroll, and he chooses the place that starts like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Are you hearing the pattern or the theme that Luke is describing for us in terms of how Jesus leads his life? Being led by the Spirit of God is key to who Jesus is and how He operates. It's going to be a central feature as you read throughout these gospel stories where Jesus continually turns to God for direction and empowerment. I told you early on in this series that as I was preparing for these new sermons in 2016... I just kept thinking of Stephen Covey's work, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. As I was reading these stories, they kept seemingly 
paralleling with what Covey says. If you haven't read his work, it was published years ago, but remember what he says in the introduction is that he set out to discover timeless principles or universal truths that could be used by people across culture and across time. And then he lays them out in what he calls these seven habits of highly effective people. I've been looking at these with you. When we read the very first story this year, remember it was about the wise men. And I said it reminded me of the first habit, be proactive. Or you could say take responsibility, be purposeful. And I suggested that these wise men on their journey of seeking the Christ child moved with great purpose and had a goal in mind. And I wondered aloud with you if maybe all of us should reconsider are our lives focused in such a way that it's clear that our purpose is to seek the Christ child and to worship him like those wise men? Then we looked a couple of weeks ago at Jesus' baptism and tied it to the second habit, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And I shared with you Covey's idea that everything's created twice, that the first creation is a mental creation And I suggested for Christians that's baptism when we recognize that our core identity is a child of God. That we're beloved children of God and that should be at the center of how we see ourselves and understand ourselves. And after recognizing that image, then the second creation, Covey says, is living it out. And we explored a little bit. How are we doing in living out our identity as a child of God? How are we doing living out our Christian life day to day? And the text said the way Jesus did that was that that he started with prayer. Remember? And I suggested that would be a great place for all of us to start is to think about our prayer lives and to make sure we're having an intentional time of conversation with God because it's so clear in Jesus' life that that is a vital component of who He is and how He functions and why He operates the way He does. Our story today reminded me of Covey's third habit. The way he puts it is put first things first. Put first things first. He talks about the tyranny of the urgent, how in so many lives, the pressing matters of the day or the urgent concerns, whether a phone call or an email or some other kind of crisis, draw all of our attention to that thing. And we spend all of our time dealing with things that in the big picture are not really important, are not really significant. That at the end of a life, if all you do is respond to the urgent, you have probably missed the main thing. Then he lays out a matrix where you can compare the urgent and the important. And in some ways, it's a time management tool. But more than that, it is a self-management tool. A way for you to reflect on your own life. To see if you're focused on what's most important, on what's most significant. When Jesus goes back to his hometown synagogue, he shares with them his mission statement or his purpose statement, if you will, by reading from Isaiah. 
And that very first line we need to pay attention to. He started with this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke had already been preparing us for this, but then when Jesus stands up to read the first words out of his mouth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he goes on to stipulate what that's going to mean in terms of how he's going to be teaching and preaching. He makes it clear that his most important role will be to proclaim the kingdom of God. To proclaim the kingdom of God. What is your most important role? Father, mother, grandparent, employee, business owner, friend, Sunday school teacher, community servant, caregiver. It could be any number of things. But what Covey observes, and I agree with him, so many get distracted and forget what's most important. And their lives are filled with the trivial. And certainly we all have multiple roles to play. And throughout the course of a lifetime, what's most important might change and shift. And yet still, it's so vital to remember to put first things first to be clear about what's most important and to make sure that we have time and energy to fulfill that role. Covey's classic illustration is a great visual image of this. You may have seen him do this, or you can see it on YouTube if you Google Covey and Big Rocks. In his presentations, he would bring out a big glass jar that was empty. Then he would take a bunch of small pebbles and poured into the jar until it was about half full. And he would say something like, often our lives are filled with many pressing and urgent concerns. And then he would look for a volunteer out of the audience and call up a person. And on the table, he would have many big rocks, and they would be labeled things like church and family time and community service. And he would say, put those big rocks in there now. And so they would look at what's most important, and they would start to put them in. But of course, the jar was already halfway full. They couldn't get all the rocks in the jar. Have you ever had that experience in your life? Where you've neglected something really important? Maybe something at work, but maybe a relationship? Maybe some priority that you set for yourself or maybe even something that you felt like God called you to do. But you let all the other little things come along. And so you never got it done. You never gave it the attention that it required. Well, Covey would let them struggle to get those rocks in. They never could get them all in. He would wait until they're good and frustrated. Then he would say, would you like to see an alternative and they would say sure and he would pull out another jar that was empty this time and he said let's start with the big rocks what's most important for you put that in first so they would look at that and this time they would get family time in there and they would get vacation and they would get big business opportunity they would get their most important things in the jar every time 
And then he would say, are, is there still room here? And they would say, yes. I mean, you could see the room among the rocks. He would say, let's pour in some of those pressing, urgent things. And they would pour the smaller rocks in. And, of course, they would sift in and around the bigger rocks until the whole jar was full. But it was such a great visual image of what difference it makes if you're clear about what's most important. And you make sure that you do the most important thing first. The key is to make sure you put in the big rocks first. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm going to follow that. That's going to be first. And what I feel the Spirit leading me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to follow Him. And that's how He discerned His most important role. What's most important for you? Or to use the language of our passage today, where is the Spirit leading you? The good news in the passage for us is that this same power that empowered and enlivened the life of Jesus is available to you. The same wisdom with which He drew clarity about His life is available to you. This same God will lead you. This same God will empower you. But it's a shame that so often we don't pay attention to God. Oh, some of us have our lives all together. But so often, that's not necessarily because we're fulfilling God's purpose. I observe that many of us never attempt anything too big for fear we might fail. So all we ever try are things we know and things we can control. And we've never, ever tried something that would actually require God's help to fulfill or achieve. Other times, we, we get a sense of God's vision. We, we have a sense of God's leading, and we charge out. But then we are distracted or overwhelmed by all the different obstacles and experiences we have in life. And somewhere along the way, we just lose contact with that wise and powerful God that we sensed alive in our lives when we first started our Christian journey. Covey has some great questions he used to ask his audiences. I put one of them in your outline I want us to think about. He would say, what one thing could you do you aren't doing now that if you did on a regular basis would make a tremendous difference in your personal life. One thing that you aren't doing now that you could do that might make a tremendous difference in your personal life. Of course, he was often working with business and professional people, so he would say, ask yourself the same question about your business life. I want to apply it to our spiritual lives. To think about our core identity as children of God. 
and think about what a life would look like if we felt like or sensed the Spirit of the Lord leading us. I put the question in the outline. What one thing could you do that if you did on a regular basis would make a tremendous difference in your relationship with God? That's a very important question. For those of us who are followers of Christ, I think it's so important. I want us to take just a couple of minutes to contemplate that now, to open our hearts and minds and really listen for God. Be ready to jot down an idea or a prompting or an insight that you might have. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. I've asked our wonderful organist, Susan Pansier, just to play a, a little soft meditative music while we contemplate these questions. And then I'll close this with a prayer before we move to the hymn. Let us pray.
God, Luke tells us that Jesus was filled with the power of Your Spirit. We pray that it might be so for us, O Lord. We might sense Your Spirit giving us the vision and the courage, the desire and the discipline to be Your people, to take faithful steps towards significance, to do the important things to which You call us. Help us to be Your faithful people, O Lord. We know we need Your help. We ask for it now. Amen.